Welcome to Designing Hollywood Podcast Home Edition. I'm your host, Allison B. Fanger. Uh, Designing Hollywood Podcast is a de dedicated to all things movies, the movie industry, and its talented professionals. Our guest today has designed some of the most iconic 90s grunge music videos to Sofia Coppola's first two films, to Showtime's Twin Peaks revival. Also, she naturally became a go-to for bands, including R.E.M., Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, Stone Temple Pilots, No Doubt, and Nirvana. She even put Kurt Cobain in that iconic green cardigan for Come As You Are. We all remember that so well. Uh, with a knack for thrifting and a social circle that included many of Hollywood's promising indie directors, she naturally moved onto film, working with the likes of Coppola, Michelle Gondry, Todd Haynes, and Wim Wenders. She is behind some of the most authentically cool looks you've ever seen on screen. Her credits include Lost in Translation, Virgin Suicides, Little Miss Sunshine, and most recently, Promising Young Woman. She has worked in Hollywood since the mid eighties, scoring her first gig at Nana, a punk clothing mecca and a destination for stylists who need to outfit fans for their music videos. She is someone also that I'm a huge fan of as her work is so incredibly outstanding and nuanced and I'm constantly inspired by her. Please give a warm welcome to costume designer, Nancy Steiner to the Designing Hollywood podcast show. Welcome Nancy. Hi Allison, thank you so much for that lovely intro. Yeah, as I said before, I'm such a huge fan. So I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Thank you. Um, so, she, we know that you worked on music videos to start out in your career and you eventually moved on to movies and then television, working with famous, famously opinionated indie directors. How did you decide to make the switch from music videos to movies? Well, um, at the same time that I was designing for videos, I was also assisting on films and other things. Um, I actually, in 1998, the first film I worked on was I'm I'll Get You Sucker, uh, oh. directed by Damon Wayans, or not Damon, yeah. Damon Wayans, oh, his, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it was the family. Yeah. And um, I was an intern on that. My friends were producing it. And so I said, please, please, I want to work on a movie. I had never done it before. I had been assisting doing photo shoots and commercials with other people. Um, but I really, I did want to get into film. So, um, so I was doing that at the same time I was designing videos. Um, and then that just grew and, um, you know, I got my first um, offer to work on a film, which was with Todd Haynes doing Safe. Wow. And that was 93, I think. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, I had been assisting, like I said, at the same time as I was keying to just get my, you know, know how to do things. And on I'm going to get you sucka. Um, the supervisor, Sharon Rosenberg. Oh, Sharon. Oh my God. RIP. Yeah. Loved her. Wonderful woman. And she taught me how to work in a truck, um, how to do a breakdown, 
Um, she was a wonderful teacher and really, uh, now that I think of it, the only person that really mentored me in any way. Mm -hmm. um, she brought me on to her next film, which was, um, was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh I was a set costumer on that and also on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh my God, amazing, so, so iconic. Yeah, That's so I was a set costumer on those. Great. Um, at the, you know, in between. In between doing music videos and mm -hmm. were you still working at Nana at that time or you were like, that was- Oh, no, 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 I worked, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little older. I worked at Nana from 1982 to 1985. Oh, so wow. I had not started doing costumes yet. That's it so It was cool. really the late eighties that you I- know, That's how I, Lou Eirich also started was by working at a vintage store in Minneapolis. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Cool. cool. She worked at Ragstock and did windows and it's a great way to yeah, get to know. Well, I just, and that's, that's how I met some of the stylists that were coming into the store back then. And mm -hmm. a few of them had said to me, you know, if you leave here, you should come work for me. You have good style. And you were like, yes, please. Well, I, yeah, I had no, I really didn't know about this work. I went to fit, um, not fit them. Oh my God. I went to Los Angeles trade tech here in LA to study fashion design. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, that's what I was interested in. I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, but, um, when I got out of there, I was working at Nana as well. And I, you know, I was designing a few things for the store, but the school really just geared you to go downtown and be a pattern maker or work in a showroom or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was not for me. And you're like, no, not at all. Yeah. And I realized when I started assisting that I really liked this work and fashion just was too fashion. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, you know, I didn't, I wasn't into being competitive and having to do the newest and the coolest every time, you know, you make a line and the pressure. Yeah. So it just, I just segued into this. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I mean, I was the same. I didn't even know this was, a, this was a job. And someone's right. like, you should be a stylist. And I said, what is that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. And then I started doing it and I was like, oh my God, yes, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> it's I know. amazing, but that's cool. I think it, that's a good way to get into it right it yeah it finds you kind of like, i mean it worked yeah worked for me yeah sure sure did <laughs> um okay so lost in translation virgin suicides or nirvana videos you created some truly iconic looks as we have said where do you look for inspiration oh i find inspiration every day um more more when the <laughs> pandemic wasn't happening but mm -hmm. You know, I am inspired. I love people watching. That is one of my favorite things. And I'm always so flabbergasted by how people dress sometimes and what they, you know, what they're portraying to the world. Um, and, you know, I see people all the time that you're like, if I, copied this and asked, you know, to put it in a film. No one would ever let me do that. <laughs> They'd say, no one would ever dress like that, but they do. 
And yeah. I love that. I mean, art is a huge, huge passion for me. Um, I, I love art. I love films. I love music. Um, and I love nature. And nature is really inspiring for me and not necessarily, you know, that, oh, I want somebody to look like a flower or something, but the colors, the textures in nature are just, you know, they, they're mm -hmm. deep in my heart, you know? Agreed. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I think it's really um, important to be aware of your surroundings all the time because you never know what you're going to see. Yeah. Are you a secret picture taker of people on the street like so many Most of us are? Definitely. <laughs> That's the best. Most definitely. Because then you can, can be you like, for my car when I see some, you know, I'm sorry, but crazy homeless people have the best outfits. I know. Right? Yes. And I'm like stopped at a stoplight in my car. I'm like, oh my God, look at that lady. And get the phone really quick. You know, the light's still red. Um, yeah. When I'm asked to do a homeless person. I'm always like, can we just get a real homeless person? Because they really look so much better than I could do on them. <laughs> or get someone who, you know, already has done all yeah. that. But it's, no, it's a nuance. But we're like, you're, I, you're super iconic people. Do you kind of find a muse or something or do you sort of create from your own wheelhouse? I mean, it depends, you know, every project is different. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned Lost in Translation, for instance. Um, I don't know that there was anyone I was trying to emulate with those characters, um, especially for Scarlett's character. She, at the time, was only 18 years old. She came to Tokyo wow. with her mom. Oh my God. And, you know, at the, at that time she, she dressed, uh, she wasn't so stylish. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, was that her first thing that she, was that her first big role? No, she no. Was like a child she actress, been, right? She was in um, Ghost World and there was a horse movie, I forget the title of, that she okay. did, but no, she had worked before that. She was young. She was like a child actress. That was, that was dumb. Yeah. She, she, um, but she was young. Her style she was wasn't. young. But she was portraying a married woman. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, you know, she was meant to be at least in her twenties. Right. Um, then, so, yeah. so we just had to make her a little more sophisticated. And because um, it was Sophia, so she's got such a strong right. aesthetic to her. Yeah. So of course, she. Exactly. We just watched. By the way, I watched last night because I was talking to you today I had never watched the virgin suicides and I was like I've really always wanted to watch it and so I decided to watch it last night and my daughter watched it with me and we just loved it it looked amazing I mean oh my god so I know you did that also with Sophia so yeah, what a great that was, what a cool that was a great opportunity I mean what a great story what a great cast it was the mm -hmm. 70s I knew it yeah. like the back of my hand you know I grew up we grew up in right yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was, I knew it so well, even though it was supposed to be the East coast, um, you know, where, you know, it wasn't, I grew up here in Los Angeles. So oh, you did. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so I know, and I grew the seventies was my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really knew it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, the prom dresses were yeah. unbelievable. I loved, was it all the exact same fabric and the same pattern or what? Well, I, it was amazing. I found this fabric mm -hmm. at the fabric store in four different, three different colorways, four different. Oh, that's colorways. what it was. Blue flowers, pink flowers, and yellow flowers. I could tell it was a little different, but it seemed so, I couldn't quite. Yeah. I, so, okay, that makes sense. So my idea was that, you know, her mother made those, the mother made those dresses for them mm -hmm. and she got a pattern mm -hmm. and on the pattern is your sleeves can be like <laughs> this or your yeah. sleeves can be like that. That's, that's how I looked at it. I love it. And that's, that's how I designed them. And that suit, the, um, forgetting his name, Josh Hartman played. Yeah. The, the suit, when he got shot in the yeah. car, was like, I died. It was I so was, I was like, I have to make him a burgundy velvet suit. He has to stand out and be quick, yeah. mm -hmm. you yeah. know? So hot. Yeah. 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 And just, it was just, yeah, that was really amazing. Worth it, whatever it was, because I'm sure you didn't have a lot of money and whatever <laughs> you had to then, you know, invest in that suit was worth it. It was yeah fantastic okay I'm kind of getting off base here but um <laughs> sorry <laughs> um so what we already talked about how you got your start in the industry and how you figured out what you wanted to do which was something we want to talk about so also what are some of the most enjoyable memories for you in terms of films that you have worked on wow I've had a lot of great experiences I have to say I mean Virgin Suicides was an incredible experience being in we shot that in Toronto mm -hmm. and um there was some there were some painful things on that movie as well but um I love being with Sophia and working with her because she's got such great taste and I knew that was going to be, you know, it was going to help. Um, her, some of her family was there. Her cousin was there who was, we became really good friends, you know, um, and just all the actors and Kirsten, you know, we just, we had a great time together as a group of people. Um, another one, Little Miss Sunshine was, directed by two very dear friends of mine, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, who I actually met in the early eighties. When I worked at Nana, oh my God, Jonathan God. worked across the street at the vintage store called Muskrat. Oh my God, that's amazing. So they had been, I had been working with them since the early nineties doing music videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'd wanted to make a film for years and it finally came together. And so working with them on their first movie and with the great cast that we had, it was, it was a joy. It was a joy. I mean, and then, you know, again, you work on a movie and you have no idea what's going to happen with it, but that became a huge hit. And we had no idea. Huge. No idea. Well, you had a great cast and Abigail Breslin was just. She was incredibly, she's incredibly talented and professional for a girl her age. It was really remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, Tony Collette is 
a dear friend of mine to this day. And, you know, I made some really great contacts or, you know, met some really great people on that. Yeah. Um, I I forgot Tony Flat was in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was fabulous. I also, one of the best experiences I ever had is on a movie called Paul that most people haven't seen, but um, it was Simon Pegg and, um, oh gosh, see, I'm so bad with names and this is how my head goes these days. Nick Frost, Uh they, um, from Shaun of the Dead, these two comic actors Uh and Greg Matola was the director and the the UPM and the line producer, all fabulous, fabulous people were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I just had a great, great time. The movie didn't do well, but it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, And shooting in Japan must've been quite an adventure. Very challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. I mean, again, that, that was an amazing experience as well to work with Bill Murray, who I still have a crush on to this day. <laughs> um, you know, it was amazing, but it was really challenging. And when I went originally, they said, you know, you're going to go, we're going to hire you people there. It's going to be fine. And the way they do it there or back then was they hire a stylist, like assistants don't work by themselves. So you had to hire the stylist and their two assistants. Well, I got there and um, basically, you know, I said, okay, let's meet at the office at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And there's a car comes with, with a girl in it And she says, oh, no, we're going to take you to the other stylist's office. I said, okay. Well, the other stylist didn't speak English. I had a a girl who was an interpreter for me, but she wasn't an interpreter. She just happened to be, she had been working in Los Angeles for Sophia. And they said, oh, she can be Nancy's interpreter. But she wasn't an interpreter. She just spoke both languages. Um, Anyways, I get there. This woman has not read the script and I see it's going to be a little bit of a thing. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, we're going to go out shopping. And at some point I had my uh, assistant call and say, where should we go? I want to get this character a really cool watch, like cool and modern and whatever. And I heard back oh, you should go to Rolex or Gucci. He's rich. You should go there. (laughs) And I said, that's not what I asked. I want to watch that's cool and interesting and new and modern. Yeah. And I got back to the office. I said, this is not going to work, you guys. And I was lucky enough that I called back into the States to Anita Brown, who had worked with me on set before. Mm-hmm. And I said, Anita, can you get on a plane to Tokyo tomorrow? They thought that these girls that didn't speak English would be working on set with Bill and Scarlett. And I kept saying, you guys, how, how does that work? 
oh, well, they all have interpreters. I said, do you know how long that's going to take? Yeah. Every time I say something to the interpreter, they have to say it to them. Then they have to think about it. Then it goes back to the interpreter. I mean, it takes forever. Oh, that's crazy. That's I said, crazy. it's not going to work, you guys. I'm telling you now. And luckily, they listened to me. Yeah. That's and Anita came. And the two of us did the movie. I mean, we basically supervised and did everything. Work set and... I had two lovely Japanese girls that helped with the extras, but, and, and telling me where to go and mm -hmm. taking me to the costume houses and stuff like that. But incredible, you know, incredible. They couldn't, they couldn't work with the actors. They didn't speak their language. That's an incredible feat. Wow, so, well, it looked amazing. So, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. And never you, know, you know, and I think, that was, what year was that? Like 19, what year was Lost in Translation? 2002. 2002, so early. Yeah. I mean, now you might know better to be like, that's not gonna work before you got to Tokyo. Right, but, I mean, I was trying to be, you know, the good, totally. you know, the nice worker and <laughs> okay, I'll try, you know, yeah. I'll try. Yeah, you did. I'll try, I want, you know, but. Yeah, well, thank God Anita came and, and saved you. She saved my ass, for that's sure. Good. Good. Um, okay, so can you, this is a big question. Can you roughly explain to us how you explore a character through costume design? Every designer is unique. So uh, can you walk us through your process? Um, sure, I mean, again, each, each character is so different and it really depends if there's, I mean, I love doing research when that's available to do for period or if you're emulating a character that's based on someone, you know, I obviously now I'm on the internet a lot. I go to the library, I look through books, look through paintings, all of that stuff. Um, but then I really like to get some kind of backstory from a director and, and either if they don't have a backstory, make something up so that I have a place to work from. Mm -hmm. Because um, you want all those little subtleties about your character to show, either show or affect the, the, the actor in the costume. So the way they feel in the clothes and um, the way it makes them move, all of that stuff. I like to give each actor something that they find would be personal to their character. So I always ask, you know, do you think they'd wear like a high school ring? Or do you think they have a necklace that was given to them by their mom? Or so we make up a little story about accessories or something in their pocket, something like that, that grounds them into that character. Mm -hmm. um you know and 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 makes them feel this is this is who I am you know mm -hmm. um that's really important to me I like those like tiny details and I always like to ask the actors about those kind of things and what what do they think their character would have mm -hmm. that is something precious to them mm -hmm. so that they feel like 
you know, there was love or whatever, whatever it's meant to be. Yeah. Or detail, human details, things mm-hmm. that we all have that you just mm-hmm. puts layers to your character. It's really, yeah. But it shows, I mean, all of that thought and yeah, you know, you know. And then do you go so further with your process? So you, you talk to your actors and then do you usually bring them boards depending on who it is like the actor also I know you work with the you know obviously the directors uh, or the showrunners or whoever but um I like to try and have a conversation on the phone with the actor before they come to the first bidding um you know we all need to make sure that we get them the right undergarments and do they have problems with their feet and what kind of shoes and these kind of things that Mm -hmm are gonna help them in their acting. Um, So I do try and speak with them ahead of time. And then, um, you know, when we get in the first fitting, I mean, sometimes I'm able to send them stuff, but it usually feels like it's the first fitting where they actually see what I'm thinking about and what what I've talked to the director about. Yeah. Um, That first fitting is a lot is revealed and um, it's usually the base, you know, okay, we're gonna try on these things and see what, you know, what silhouettes work best, what colors work best, what textures, and then, um, you know, and then hopefully you have time for a second or third fitting. You know, sometimes the, you just have no time, you know. I know, the second fitting is always the guy, I always say the first fitting is like, we're- Getting to know ya. First fitting is getting to know ya. Second fitting is where you do the real work. Yeah. Looks. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I know it is hard with. I know. I know. I've been told people, my friends that are working now during COVID, say they said there wasn't going to be late casting, but they're still late casting. Oh, they're still late casting. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, I'm sorry, but production and they they don't realize how our job has changed and oh, from COVID you mean or yeah, yeah. oh really they, they, I mean the few projects I've just done commercials in COVID so far mm-hmm. and they could care less they don't yeah. want you about it they just want you to do it just do it yeah just do it like you usually do right yeah. oh, that's difficult well mm-hmm. it's gonna be over soon um okay so going back to Nirvana, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the green card again, which now Kurt Cobain is so closely associated with. Uh, What was that like working with Nirvana in that time frame, time period, you know, during that, gosh. Um, Well, I can't, first of all, the green cardigan, it's not like he never wore cardigans before. So I can't fully take credit for like, that was my idea, you know? We all back then dressed in thrift clothes. Yeah. Me as well. I only, I basically wore 40s clothes exclusively for about 10 years of my life when I was young. Um, And so working with them, it was exciting. My, at the time I was living with my boyfriend who actually directed those videos. Oh, cool. Kevin Kerslake. Right. And 
Um, so we had been working together doing videos and then the Nirvana thing came along and that was the second video. And the first video smells like team spirit just blew up. I mean, it was huge, you know, but I knew about Nirvana before. Of course I was, you know, I was kind of punk rocker myself and, um, was listening to all that music and we were really excited, um, Kevin and Kevin and Kurt um, had been talking on the phone a lot. And so the, that first come, we did first come as you are. And then in bloom was the second one I did, which was the black and white. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those guys were lovely. Um, Kurt was not in the best shape then. It's really a little sad. Um, and I, <laughs> you know, I had known Courtney Love before this. Um, actually, Courtney went out with somebody who worked at Nana. Uh, and so I met her back then. And Kevin did the first video for Hole even before Nirvana. Wow. And I was there on that set. Um, I didn't. I didn't dress her, but I knew her and I helped with lighting and stuff. It was so low budget, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we were all talking about Nirvana then because we had just, they had just come out and we were, you know, recording mm -hmm. had just come out. And so we were, we were all thrilled about Nirvana. And then, um, you know, Courtney um, was, determined to meet him and uh, <laughs> she did. yeah wow that is such yeah. that I mean wow you have just been in so many iconic <laughs> moments in your life it's really incredible and you're so you know you're so well connected with <laughs> the world it's like really amazing I think I, mean, I met you a lot I think I met you when you were in your punk phase like long time ago yeah like, way back when we like, made through Kim. Kim, Timlin, right? Yeah. And right. So I worked with Kim on, um, she was on the um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was assisting Mari France. Oh my God. Mari, I forgot we all worked for Mari France. I worked for Mari right? France. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, and I was, so Sharon, who I did I'm Gonna Get You Sucker with, was friends with Mari France and had worked right. with her before. And so that's, she took me with her to Marie France. Amazing, Marie France. Yeah. Wow, yeah. we all got training from Marie France. We did. <laughs> <laughs> We're all better for it, I think. Um, and how did you start working with Sophia? You know, I met Sophia through just friends um, that, you know, we had, I've been doing videos. I worked a lot at propaganda films. Right. Who, which was a big video maker back, back then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was around and worked with a bunch of different directors and Spike was there and Sophia was there too, but I didn't work with her in that way. Um, but I knew Spike and um, I don't know, there was a group of us and then, oh yeah, they got, they, we all, they also met John and Val 
And there was a group of us that every couple of months we would go to dinner at Musso and Frank's. Love. Um, and I think it was uh, Spike and Sophia, Lance Accord and his wife, Rema, John and Val, me, <laughs> single girl, and uh, another friend of ours, Neil, a couple other people. And I'll never forget, we were there at dinner one night and she, she said, Nancy, I had no idea that you did that movie safe. I love that movie. Ah. And I said, yeah, I did that. That was, you know, years ago. And, um, and then she just, you know, she said, I'm thinking of doing a movie. Would, would you be interested? I said, of course, let me know. And that Not was that. that. Virgin Suicides? Virgin Suicides, yep. Amazing. That's so yep. cool. Wait, Lance didn't shoot Virgin Suicides, right? He shot- No, but he, he didn't. No. Um, he came to Tokyo and shot mm -hmm. Lost in Translation. Right. I need to rewatch that. He wasn't directing yet. He was still just- Yeah. I remember that. I totally remember that time period. Yeah. I'm still really close with Rima. We're really good friends. Rima Gordon. Yeah. Um, okay, so- um, with Boston Translation, we had a question about dressing Scarlett Johansson, which I think we have touched on a little bit, but I think specifically because you said she was young and that she was, you were dressing her in a style that she wasn't, she maybe didn't totally understand, I'm gonna right. guess, right? So like, can you just talk about that experience and how you kind of got her to come around? Because that is very tricky. Yeah, it was very different from the way she dressed. Um, and I think she thought it was a little boring. <laughs> 18 but, years old. Um, yeah. But um, you know, um I think she trusted Sophia and Sophia's vision, and therefore she trusted me. And um so so it, it was it took a you know, took a little finagling. Yeah. But eventually she she came around and yeah, because she wasn't fighting at all, but she just, she was like, wow, it's kind of boring. Yeah, but maybe as it went, she started to understand why it worked, you know, plus she needed to be older. Yeah, I mean, said, and when she came back and then, and then the, again, the success of, the su success of that film, then she got a stylist and, you know, became the Scarlett Johansson that we all know now. Interesting. Once again, there you were at the cusp of changing. <laughs> Seriously though, because that can be tough when you have someone who doesn't understand, but you know it's right and you've yeah. had expectations and like, and you want to do your best to help them find their character. So that's what you're doing, right? So yeah. I'm sure no, that- I've definitely had those situations where the director and I have one vision and the actor has another one and you have to kind of say, yeah, um, well, you know, the director really wants wants this so let's just try it and yeah. see yeah you just yeah you have to kind of yeah talk them into it sometimes magic <laughs> um, <laughs> um so let's talk about promising young woman most recent and you're just nominated for a critics choice award so exciting and i've heard a lot of oscar buzz i'm gonna just sit well that is that right. would be crazy so exciting and yeah. so worthy Thanks. so Let's talk about this movie. So this okay. twisted, interesting thriller revenge movie 
Um, what, what, what was your, what was your vision for these characters when you first started working on? What influenced your design and your ideas for these characters? Um, well, I've said, I've said in other interviews that when I got the script, I thought it was so brilliant, but I imagined Cassie much uh, darker. I, reading her character on the page, I thought she's depressed, she's stuck, she doesn't really have a life. She lives with her parents still. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like, maybe she's, uh, you know, not caring very much about the way she looks. Maybe she just darker colors, that kind of thing. No, I went to meet with Emerald and Emerald said, oh no, I want her to look like candy. <laughs> and, you know, she wanted her to look feminine and floral and frilly and pastels. And so that directive came from Emerald. I cannot take credit for it. Wow. Um, Emerald is a truly talented woman. She, I mean, that script that she wrote is so fantastic. And I was so energized when I, got the job because, well, just reading it, but, you know, I knew that this was a different story that had never been told this way from a woman's point of view. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it would be possibly controversial, mm -hmm. possibly rub some people the wrong way. And I said, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've done plenty of dark comedies in my career and I really like them. I like stories that where you don't know what's gonna happen. And, you know, the ending on this movie is just phenomenal. Oh wait, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, just, right. I'm pausing. Okay. Um, so, so in dressing Carrie for the role, um, I, I just took that directive and went for it with the daytime wear and realizing that, you know, this was also a costume in a way for Cassie. She, she did not want to reveal what she felt like inside. And so she gave off the impression with her clothing that she was a happy-go-lucky girl. Mm -hmm in that way mm -hmm. and then would pick these, you know, go, I mean, in my mind, she was thrifting for these outfits that she would wear at night mm -hmm. to go do her, her deeds. And, you know, each costume was um, so that she would fit into each place she went. So, we had the business bar in the beginning where she's in the suit. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, we didn't shoot at the bar um, in the end, but the second one was like a hipster bar. And I think she had like a leopard skirt and some stuff in her hair. I actually, she had a great leather jacket on, but of course we took it off cause she was inside the apartment. Oh. Um, and then, you know, the, the other one I loved, I mean, 
I call the other one the uh, Euro trash bar where she's in the skin tight strapless dress. That dress was something. I was just and like- that high ponytail that Danielle gave her. I mean, it was, you know, and, and Angie who did makeup, she put like too much makeup on her. And, you know, the guy that she was with, I wanted him to just look real douchey and like his shirt was too tight. Yeah. The leather, bad leather jacket and the bad hat, you know? And that guy, that actor had been in the, in the first scene in the business bar in a suit. Oh my God. The same guy. And so that was his after work attire. He was at, uh, in a suit, to, you know, after work. Mm -hmm. But this was his weekend cool, cool look. Yeah, <laughs> he so, cool. so that like was really made, fun. You're not even recognized him with the clothes. The clothes made all the difference. You don't even know the safe. Right. Same you know right yeah so yeah, yeah it was really cool how she just she never had a regular look she just was like doing these costumes right right she wanted to fit in wherever she was going yeah and then that um that last look <laughs> the nurse was really interesting I thought it was interesting that you did the um the wig the colored wig, just like, and I, I, you know, remembered with Scarlett Johansson, you did the pink wig in the yeah. karaoke bar. Was yeah. that, that something you liked? I, I won't say it was my idea to do the wig in Promising Young Woman. I can't, I can't okay. take okay. that. Okay. But um, it was, it, we wanted, we wanted to, her to wear a wig for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think Emerald, again, loved the multicolor wig. And the, the outfit, we, we made three of those because the scene was violent. And so we, we wanted, you know, we had to have backup in mm -hmm. case something happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We weren't sure actually what would really happen in, in that room, you know? It was a very intense, it was, I think one of the last days of the shoot, thankfully, wow. that we shot that. But it was, you know, I never went in that room. I was never on set. Most people weren't. It was very intimate. It was very, you know, tough scene. Well, it shows, you know, that kind of like intimacy of it being such an intensely private moment. You like, you really feel like you're peeking on something that's so, I don't know. So it's just like, yeah, I love that. That sounds like a, kind of an amazing experience for the, for the whole for the actors too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and there was somebody there. I think like a stunt person In helping. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because they actually, you know, did you know knew how long it takes to strangle a person? Like they actually, he held her throat for forty-five seconds. Right. In the scene. Yeah. Or each take. Oh my God. Which is exhausting. Like they were, it was a very, you know, obviously very physical, mm -hmm. emotional scene. Yeah. yeah. They did it quite a few times, I, I was told. And so there was somebody there guiding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Where, was that shot in Los Angeles or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, around this, uh, I'm going to say like, I think it was March, April. 2019. It's been two years. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. I love it. I loved it. It was so good. And I was like, of course, Nancy did the costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Well, Allison, we don't do everything. (laughs) That's fabulous. There's tons of fabulous stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you said in previous interviews that you are big on supporting women in our industry. Um, The project was written and directed by a woman. How does your experience differ working do you feel like working with women directors and male directors? Um, to be honest, I think communicating with a woman is much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we can connect on emotional levels that I can't connect with a lot of male directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and psychologically as well, we have a common bond because we are, you know, we all as women experience a lot of the same situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, I think women are much more, it's easier for them to collaborate and take someone else's ideas. I mean, this is just my experience. I can only say I've worked with Sophia Emerald and then Valerie as part of the team of Jonathan and Valerie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like there's a sensitivity that that most men don't have and therefore there's more insight into a character. Um, you know, and I just feel like um, so, you know, some men's egos are just too, set, too uh, mm-hmm. fragile, basically, yeah. that when you give them an idea, you know, somehow you have to make it seem like it was their idea for them to do it sometimes, you know. Um, so I do think working with women is, it, it's been easier for me. Uh, just that you can, you're coming from kind of the same world. Mm-hmm. And a collaborative spirit and like, yes, like, like you said, op- open communication, like right. you really like dig into the personalities and talk about characters. Yeah. And not be kind of, I mean, I've been talked down to before. I'm sure we all have, unfortunately. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't feel like the, the women I've worked with ever right. did that to me. I did just hear a story recently, just, um, of a, and I'm not going to say who this was, but it was like costume designer and a woman director who, I'm just going to say this to even the, the thing right now, who walked out of a film because of the way she just was talked to by another woman. She was like, no one talks to me this way and left before the fitting first fitting of like a major the costume song. designer did yeah she's like I've heard of some women that are very difficult to work with and yeah. I've actually so been asked to work with them and I say no yeah it goes I don't, if they've got a reputation mm-hmm. I don't really want to work with people who have such a huge ego that they mm-hmm. can't acknowledge that other people bring things to the table yeah we work too hard and too long hours. Not worth it. Like, just no. 
Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know there's women out there that are difficult. I'm not going to say, but that that's just been my experience thus far. In general, in general, I love working with women directors and women showrunners. Like I just, yeah, like, so agree. Um, and there's so many more now, so it's happening. It's, it's like exciting. Um, so what was the collaboration with Carrie Mulligan like? Did you guys collaborate on some of these looks for Promising Young Woman or what was what was that like? You know, I think my first fitting with Carrie was like two weeks before we started shooting. I had about three and a half weeks to prep this film. What? Yeah, <laughs> she was out of town. And um, so she came, I think two weeks before, maybe it was two weeks before. Um, we shot the movie in 23 days. So, but Carrie is magnificent. I, I just think she, she's a real actress. Yeah. And she trusted Emerald. And again, therefore, I think she trusted me. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun in the fittings. Mm-hmm trying on a bunch of stuff and figuring out what felt right. Mm -hmm. You know, I had some things that were much younger looking Mm -hmm. and we shied away from that, from that eventually, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there was things that Carrie didn't want to wear that were like crop tops and things like that, which I get. Mm -hmm. So we just adjusted, but, um, she was magnificent and she, you know, she was, she was gung-ho. She loved, again, she loved the script and was excited to do it. And so, you know, if I needed her to do a fitting on set, which I did quite often because we couldn't get it all done before. Yeah, sure. How many looks was that? It must've been like, do you I, I should know this, but I think it was, it was either it was either like twenty eight or thirty five, something like that. It was it was quite a few for twenty four days of shooting or twenty three days of shooting. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So, um, you know, we reused jeans and things like that, but um, there were most of the costumes were really individual and different from the others. Yeah. So, um, but she was just gung ho and wanted to wanted to do the right thing and wanted to do what Emerald felt was right. That's amazing. What a dream. That's amazing. That's a dream. Mm-hmm. Such a dream. And, you know, we've all had those actors or actresses in our fitting rooms that only care if they look good. And I've dressed people, you know, where you're not supposed to look good. Mm-hmm. Or, I get a white shirt from the thrift store, but they want it to say Barney's in the back of it. And I'm like, are you, you're not, you don't have that kind of money. Your character doesn't have that kind of money. Yeah. So she, and you know, she went there and she did what was necessary. And that's a true actor to me. Yeah. Somebody that can lose themselves. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely know about it. Yeah. By definition, that is what they should all be doing, right? But it just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't always happen that way. So, I mean, she was fabulous. 
I, I work with her anytime. I think she's so extremely talented and she's smart. She makes smart choices. Yeah. You don't see her in shitty movies. No. It, it was interesting when I first started watching, I was like, wait, who is that? Like I had to like, cause she looked kind of very transformed, you know? And she's English and you know, so she had an American accent, which she did really well, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, she was, I mean, yeah. the whole, like, obviously it really came together in a yeah. optimal way because it's such a yeah. good outcome. So congratulations again. Thank um, you. So um, we're coming to the end of the show. We have a couple more questions. Um, what is your next project or what do you have in the works for 2021? Gosh, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. So weird right now. Right? So, okay. I'm doing a commercial that actually was supposed to start this week that got pushed okay. um, with the director that I've been working with for years. And then I don't know. I really don't know. It's been... I've been offered to meet on some things that I wasn't so jazzed about and, uh, you know, so. Yeah, you're waiting for your next I'm iconic waiting. film. <laughs> you're very good at, at finding your way to those. So I don't have any concern about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's like, your resume is amazing. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who is looking to get into the same field of costume design? Well, my advice is um, that you work your way up because I feel that my experience being a set customer, being an intern, I even helped Kim do reshoots on a movie and I was her supervisor for two weeks long ago. I feel that it's important to know how things work from the ground up. That's just my feeling. I know a lot of designers who never assisted and do phenomenal work. But to me, I'm a very hands-on designer. And um, so I think it's important to know how it works from the ground up. That's just me. Also, you have to be passionate about this work because if you're not, it's just not gonna happen. You have to be flexible. You have to be efficient, organized, and you know, be able to do things without being told. Um, understanding that you know if I send you to the store to get a green sweater and they don't have any green sweaters don't come back empty-handed come <laughs> back and say well I saw this one maybe it's good well maybe maybe it's good maybe it doesn't work but at least you tried or maybe you went next door to the store next door to see if there's green sweaters if you have time you know but but make an effort to do the best you can. And you have to, you know, you've got to have, you've got to have it. I, you know, I feel like I, you know, you, when you work with people who are new to you, assistants or whatever, I can just tell if they're going to continue in this field or not. 
because of the way uh, their attitude, that's another thing. No attitude, no drama. That is a waste of time for all of us. The most important thing, one of the most important things is getting along with your crew and being able to work as a team. It's a team effort. I cannot make this happen without my team. And I will never take credit for making it all happen myself. It's just, it doesn't happen that way. So it's a team effort and you have to work in that capacity and be able to, if this person bugs you, okay, well, you know, sorry, but you're on a team together, find a way to work around that, that makes sense and doesn't create tension Mm -hmm. in, in your office, in your workroom, whatever, because that is the worst feeling when you have to work with people that are not a hundred percent on board. Yeah. It's toxic for everybody. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're already expending so much energy just trying to get this work done. It's just so counterproductive. I could not agree more. I'm happy yeah. you brought that up for people that are looking to get in the business. It's so important to be supportive of one another respectful of everybody's jobs. I find that sometimes where certain people don't understand what other people do and they're like, well, they're not doing anything. I'm like, well, yes, they are actually, because I also came up through all the different, you know, levels in the department. So I do know what happens on set. That's important because sometimes people are like, well, that's that people that sit there all day. It's like, no, they don't. They have a lot to do. You know, so you have to understand everybody's jobs and just respect it, you know? Yeah, respect is a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, I I worked with an assistant designer recently that thought it was below her to take tags off of a shirt. And so (laughs) taking the tag off a shirt and handed it to my background costumer to do it. And I just was like, why are you doing that? Well, those tags need to be taken out. I said, do it. Yeah. And I took some of the shirts and I started taking the tag off myself because I am not above doing anything. Anything. Agree. You cannot work for me if that's the way you feel. Mm -hmm. Yep. I will, I mean, and for me, I'm one of those people, I cannot sit down, like I cannot sit around while everybody is working around me. Mm-hmm. I like to be part of the process. I like to help and I like to do things to get things done in an efficient manner. Yep. And if if I've got time, I'll take those tags off. I don't care. Yeah, no, me too. So I, I don't go for that. Like I am better than this person in the department. Nope. I don't know anybody would like that that much, really. Oh boy. You're out there. <laughs> yes, I have been exposed. I'm having a They are. I've worked with a few of them and had to fire them actually yeah. because not a great, not a good I, I don't play those games. No. I'm not, I'm not better. I'm not better than my ACD. I'm not better than my supervisor. I'm not better than anyone. No. We are all human beings. And, all and it's about and a team. working together mm-hmm. to make something happen. Mm -hmm. I don't care what your title is. Right. Exactly. 
This is good. This is good advice for the viewers. A lot of the viewers of this of this podcast are you know, students and yeah, um, fine students. So this is good. This is gold, you guys. Good, good, good. Um, so where can our viewers follow you on social? Are you on social? I'm on Instagram at Steinerama. Okay. Is my handle. Steinerama. Um, uh, that's really it. I mean, I have a profile on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook really very much. I'm not on Twitter. I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'm a quieter person in that way, mm -hmm. but I am on Instagram. Okay. Well, so that's the best follow at on Instagram. Um, thank you to the Designing Hollywood team and producer and founder Martika Ibarra, co-founder Marilyn Vance. Uh, our host, Nancy Steiner, for coming on the show today. And congrats again on your Critics' Choice nomination. It's very exciting. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Gardena Cinema, the only old-fashioned single-screen standalone neighborhood movie theater still in operation in the Los Angeles area. Wow. Owned that and operated by Jeep Kim and the Kim family since 1976. Interesting. That's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and thank you to all our viewers for tuning in. Be sure to follow and to subscribe to Designing Hollywood Podcast for past and new episodes and on YouTube, iTunes, and all podcast platforms. Also now available on Amazon and Siri Voice Search. And you can follow me uh, on Instagram at Allison Fanger. And that's our episode. So thank you again, Nancy. Thanks so much, Allison. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I hope I see you soon. I know, in person, right? Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> right. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our sponsor, Gardena Cinema. Gardena Cinema is the only old-fashioned, single-screen, standalone neighborhood movie theater still in operation in the South Los Angeles area. Owned and operated by Judy Kim and the Kim family since 1976. Gardena Cinema has been able to transition to outdoor cinema in the parking lot for an intimate drive-in experience and has hosted movie shoots, music video shoots, and still photo shoots for an authentic vintage looking location. Thank you to our viewers. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Designing Hollywood Podcasts on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, and the YouTube channel for complete past and current episodes. Also, we're now available on Amazon and Siri Voice Search.